discipleship and mentoring, those are all big subjects, but there's one big top of the top ten subjects, and it's the home. It's the family and it's marriage. You know, divorce and separation is not a big subject in the Bible. Aren't you glad? The home is the big subject. As they say, you want to find out what a counterfeit is? You want to find out what people are, are, are uh, who are corrupt or focusing on? Don't worry about what a counterfeit is and what the problems are. Find the reality. Find the, 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 the real thing. And, and that's what God focuses on. What is a home? What is a family? And marry, uh, marriage and staying married is a big deal in the Bible. One of the most fragile units is, is a family. And, and it's, a, it's, it's, it's really angering when you have governments in the world governments are seem to be completely in line. There's no diversity at all anymore. But the one big thing is the destruction of a, a family union and the destruction of people's safety at home and at school and on the streets. It's, it's, it's how, where we live today. And the, 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 the price has been that generations have been robbed of a home. Generations of them. So, uh, tonight we're going to look at just part one of what a home should be like, both in Colossae and in Cork. So, let's let the Apostle Paul write to us in this book of books and help us understand what to do in our marriages to keep them going. All right, so, let's go right in, and we're just going to focus on the first part of a Christian marriage. We're not going to be able to deal with it all. There's a lot here. We could be here for quite a while, and I wish we could. I wish you had endurance. But I, I'm compassionate, you know that. Anyway, I'm going to start on this and we'll finish it next week. But the Christian home begins with a Christian marriage. All right, so I've got to hold a handout. Does anybody want a handout that actually, I tell you what, Josiah, would you take this and would you hand those out on your side? If you want a handout for you to fill in and maybe help you remember some of these things, it's not profound. It's Bible. I don't give, I don't have any biros, so you'll have to borrow, beg, steal, no, don't steal, a pen. We're going to read two verses, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Colossians 3. At one time noted, how brief Jesus was when he would speak and how he left it for his audience to sort of ponder and go, what did he mean by that? So sometimes we wonder why the Bible doesn't just lay out everything. You realize if God had talked about every problem and every solution, the Bible would be, in, in, you couldn't carry it around and you couldn't even read it. So sometimes the short and sweet scriptures are meant for us to be pondered and, and explored and discovered because they are full of truth. So Colossians 3, 18 and 19, he deals with the marriage, boom, boom, and it's, it's just breathtaking. Colossians 3, 18 and 19, wives, submit unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And he stops. <laughs> Verse 19, husbands, Love your wives and make sure you're not bitter against them. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Well, let me talk to you tonight. Now, Paul starts with wives and husbands. 
Now, there are three sets of powerful words in these two lines of Scripture. One, wives and husbands. Number two, submit and love. And number three, fit and not bitter. So we'll start with wives and husbands here. The Apostle Paul is writing to people who are already married. I know a lot of people are very concerned about how to find a partner. You know, the, the biggest seller, the biggest selling books in, quote, Christian bookstores is and the biggest, one of the biggest sellers of books in the world's bookstores are on relationships and on marriage and how to find the right partner and so on and so forth. But God says to both young men and young women not to go looking for a mate, but to be godly, to be humble, to be faithful, to be honest, to be kind, to be hardworking, and start there. And somehow, when you are just busy serving God, God takes two busy people who are serving Him and bumps them up together and goes, Hey, what do you think? (laughs) It just happens. God expects that we keep our love and our falling in love simple. You know, we kind of, we worry about, uh, you know, how am I going to find a a wife and what am I going to say to her? How am I going to find out if she's the one? Let me just tell you, getting married is really not that hard. It's the marriage part that's hard. Okay? So you're really worried about finding someone when you probably aren't ready for someone. That's the truth. So, Paul starts off with the Christian wife. Now, he's talking to Christians, and he says, wives. And then he moves on to the Christian husband. But your fill in there is the Christian wife. And I want you to say, I want you to understand, she is no longer just a woman. She has a higher title. What's her title? Wife. Now, that is a really derogatory term today in our feminist world. Now, they just want to be person A and person B. But let's talk about what a Christian wife means. A Christian wife means to, that she is a helper, a friend, a lover of her husband. Go to Galatians, I'm sorry, Galatians, Genesis 2. Genesis chapter 2. So Paul doesn't just say women. <laughs> he says wives. And when he says that, it has full of meaning. It means she is a helper. Of her husband, sorry, keep saying Galatians, Genesis 2.18. And Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be what? Not good for him to be alone. I'll make him and help meet for him. So a wife's first job designed by God is to be a helper, a friend, a lover of her husband. She's not only a helper, she is an equal partner. She is not inferior. She is different, though. And and in some ways you say, thank God, but sometimes it's like, wow, is she different. But anyway, we won't go there. Every, listen, as I, can I, I wish, I wish um, uh, uh, Rodell was here. I wish all the men were here, and all, especially the young men who are, who are married. I wish I could just pour all this vast experience of knowledge that I don't have. <laughs> that I'm still learning. But I wish I could talk and say, you know what? Your wife has to be somebody that you talk to and that you treat as an equal partner in this home and in this life. And you don't just race ahead and go, oh, and honey, by the way, catch up. She 
Every big decision needs to include your wife, gentlemen. Will you take on her views? Will you listen to her opinions? Will you listen to her fears? Because a wife has fears. And sometimes it's important to take note of and go, you know, I never thought of that. She's an equal partner. And if you had any gentleman, and this is how you have to think about it, I have to think about it, that if I started a business and I had a partner in that business and I just decided to spend 100,000 euros, that partner would crucify me and say, why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you, you know, talk to me before you went and you spent all that money and you went to do that? Well, I would respect an equal partner. How many times do we not? I'm talking to the gentleman. Women don't say amen yet. Anyway, how many times do we just blast ahead, buy, do, and then go to our honey and go, oh, you know, honey, well, I'm just, I, I just did it, you know? And we didn't consult. We didn't listen. A Christian wife is, means she's equal. She is a fellow servant. Go to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. In verse 18. She is someone who joyfully serves, that's your fill-in, her husband and family. You know, when 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 a Christian family is serving the Lord together, there is joy. Look at Proverbs 5.18. The Bible says, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. She's somebody who's with you. She's somebody, and probably she's more with you than you even know. She's a fellow servant. She also, when when Paul talks about a Christian wife, he's using a word that is a biblical word that has all of these meanings behind it. She's a lover. Go to Titus chapter 2. Not like the world's romance lover concept, but Titus now. She's a lover, which means she's not a fighter, by the way. (laughs) Titus chapter 2 and verse 3. The aged women likewise. Paul is telling Titus, you need to teach them that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, have holy behavior. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to what? To love their husbands and to love their children. You know, uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit in, in a little bit, but her design is to love her husband. That's what a wife is. She's also a keeper in home. Look at verse 5. To be discreet. You know, it's, it's something wonderful when a woman is aware of of the world that she lives in and she dresses accordingly and that she's discreet. And the Bible says it sometimes takes an older woman to teach a younger woman to know how to dress and how to conduct herself, to be discreet, to be chaste. Now, what does chaste mean? Give me a... Hmm? Well, holy is a good word, but... Full of chastity or whatever. It means conservative, is what our modern word would mean. It means that she's not trying to dress down and up as, pos- as much as possible, but that she looks like somebody who loves God. Looks like God is first in her life. That's what chase means. She's under control. She's not just lavish in trying to get her, get noticed. And it says this, uh, keepers at home. 
And it goes on, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Here, a keeper at home, that doesn't mean that she has to stay at home 24-7 and all this stuff, but that her priority is the home. The husband, if he's going to work, he cannot make the home and the kids and and, uh, all of the burdens of the home his priority. God designed the wife for that. Now, she's in the home. She is all of those things. She's a helper, an equal partner, a fellow servant, a lover, and a keeper of the home. And she's under the authority of the man that she married. Now, you know what I just said? I just gave you the forbidden list of feminists. Uh, you're not allowed to say any of that. You talk about, you get on television, you try to say this on TV, the hate mail would just flame. But that's what a wife is. Now he moves on, and he talks, if you go back to Colossians, he talks about the husband. We'll go back and forth through these verses. Colossians chapter 3. Wise, submit yourselves. We'll talk about that word in a minute. We're first talking about the word wife. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Three things, each points, each, each verse has three very important points. The Christian husband, and he says this, when it speaks of a husband, he's speaking of a leader, not a lord, not a dictator, not someone to obey without question. But that doesn't mean that he's not the boss, though. He is the head of the home. Like Christ is the head of the church, the head of your home, if you married that sucker, you are to obey him. I really wish that young men would relearn what it means to be a man and yearn to be men, not just the male of the species. And the job of a dad and a mom is to forge into their young boys manhood. It is not the job of school. It's not the job of of uh, the, the YouTubes and the, the Teletubbies on TV. A generation or two of children have grown up going, that's Teletubbies. How many of you remember Teletubbies? Let me see your hands. All the older generation. Dad and mom were supposed to forge manhood into their men, teaching them the value of hard work, taking responsibility, not minding sweat and tears and self-sacrifice. So when he speaks of a husband, Paul is talking to the person who's supposed to be in charge. What is a Christian husband? He's not only a a leader, he's a laborer. It means he ought to be the hardest worker in the home. not, Not to be that the wife does all the work and the guy's just a louse sitting on the couch six hours a day. I believe the hardest worker in the home ought to be the man. Amen. Now, he may not be able to do all the dishes every night, and things like this, but that home and the life, if you looked at all of the effort, and thank God, women, if you've got a man who does work hard, but a man is supposed to be a laborer. So when Paul is writing and when God is addressing the husbands, he's not talking to wimps. He's talking to people, men who already are workers. They thirdly are supposed to be an example, not erratic. Christian men are supposed to be the examples to the world of what men can be and what we should be. And we need to raise our our young men to show the world what Christ can do with a young man that without God, that young man will be wicked. Amen? 
but you can raise a young man to be strong, to have character, to, to know what is right, and to live by principle and by convictions, they, and, and to have joy in it. You know, and most everybody thinks that Christians have no fun. The Christians are just sour pusses that we have nothing but rules and regulations against us. Are you kidding? You know what? I go to sleep at night. My wife will tell you, three minutes. I'm out. Now, I'm not bragging, but I am trying to tell you that is a blessing. Because if you're sitting there and you're feeding that heart of yours and that mind of yours with all the filth on television, if your music is all twisted and perverted and Eminem and um, uh, the, even the Christian rock and everything out there, and you're having time trouble going to sleep, let me tell you, it's because there's no character in your life that says, I am bringing this on myself. And we need to give the world an example of what a Christian man is, and you ought to be the happiest person in the world. A Christian husband is also the lover of his wife. That's what a Christian husband is. He's not just there to talk to the old man. Well, himself in the sitting room. I had women tell me that. I've had too many just use that phrase. Well, you can go talk to himself in there. What's his name? No. He's the lover of his wife. You know, nobody else should love your wife. Amen? Your wife ought to know, and I'm going to talk about it, your wife ought to know that she is adored by you. He's also a listener. When we speak of a husbandman, think about a When we speak of a husband, think of the word husbandman, which is an old English word for farmer. That's where we get the husband from. Meaning that when, when a farmer has these crops, and if they're not growing, I guarantee you he studies why. And he sits down, he gets down into that, that crop, and he looks for bugs, or he looks for blight, or he looks at the soil. He tries to engage, and I give him enough water. He, 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 I'm going to use the word, he listens for what's wrong. And a Christian husband is a listener. Now, how many of us ever succeed at that? I don't know. But that's what I want to be. Because that's, a husband's got to be able to go, all right, what's wrong? Now, I know. Here's the wife. She's... Not saying a word. And the husband says, what's wrong? Guarantee she's not going to tell you. <laughs> Basically, she's saying you should have been listening a long time earlier. But a Christian husband is supposed to be a listener. And he's also to be a strength for his wife and for everyone in his home. You know, everybody shouldn't go to mama for when troubles are going on. It's nice to have, be with mama and to rest on her and no, she loves you, but it's better to have a dad who you can crawl up into his lap and just hold on him, and he's got that arm and that strength, and he just holds you, and you go, I'm safe. Amen. That's a dad, and that's a husband. And when you have a family, it's a high calling. He didn't just say men. No, 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 no. There's a whole other list of expectations for just manhood. But this is the title that he has. He's a husband, and it's a lot harder, and there's more expectations of it. Of but the greatest thing that we get to do is we get to serve. I thought that was the woman's job. Are you kidding? Christ sat down, took his almost everything off except his a towel, and he washed his disciples' feet. The master of the universe, the king of kings, serving. That's a man. And in our home, how, many, how much do our wives think how often do they ever see us 
serving. I mean, just saying, what do you have to say? What are you going to, just doing stuff out of service. I can tell my wife, I can say, Nita, I love you. You know, she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if she sees me hoovering, she's all over me. Oh, you're once. I'm the best wife in the world. Because I'm serving. What, did somebody freak out? What's wrong? I'm the best husband in the world. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the best husband in the world. I forget what I just said. Anyway, so he starts with the first word, wives, husbands. Let's go to the next phrase. He then says, and this is supposed to bang, bang, bang. I don't know what happened here, but just hold with me. He then uses the word submit and love. Two short and sweet commands for marriage, and they are sweet words. Did you know if both submission and love were active in your home, you would have heaven on earth, guaranteed. To wives, the command is to submit. Now, that's a hated word. But God says to the wife, submit to your own husband. What does that mean? And words do have meanings, by the way. Do you even know what it means to submit? It means to yield. The dictionary says to resign, to surrender to the power the will or authority of your husband without murmuring. That's what the dictionary said. <laughs> Let me repeat that. <laughs> to resign. <laughs> to surrender to the power, the will, or authority of your husband without murmuring. That's what it means to submit. To give up resistance. That is so anti-21st century, isn't it? Now, how far does that go? How far can you go with that? Well, I'll show you down there in verse 18. Verse 18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Now, I'll talk about this next week because we'll only get two-thirds of the way through this thing tonight. But as long as it is fit and proper as you trust the Lord. There are biblical limits to submission, obviously. It's not an open-ended license for abuse to take uh, uh, to take place in your life and for a man to take advantage of his wife. If what your husband expects of you or asks of you is against clear scripture, you can refuse. But don't just attempt to use the Bible as a means to not submit at all. Just know this. Let me, let me give you something. You ought to write this down. Submission will always go further than your flesh and your nature would normally go. It, you, you will never find it easy to submit. You don't find it easy to submit to earthly bosses and employees and coaches. Believe me, it's even harder in the Christian home. Well, I'm saved. Why am I finding it hard? Because you're in the flesh. And your flesh will not comply. There's a great thought. Marriage is not the blending of two perfect people. Remember when you were getting married and you said, I, I found the perfect one. All right, you were deceived. <laughs> okay? Marriage is not the blending of two perfect people, but the forging of joy out of two very selfish people who only will experience the transformation of their home by God's grace through pressure that they never would have sought on their own. Did you hear what I say? When you get married, all of a sudden, God brings pressure, whether it is through little babies coming down the chimney, uh, it, whether it comes through bills, through the letterbox, Everything coming at you, all the pressure, all of a sudden, God in that marriage forges joy out of two very selfish people who learn not to be selfish. And there's no other way to do it. 
Submission does not come naturally. It does not. The Bible says that wives have to be taught, especially young wives need to be taught by older Christians to love their husbands, or else submission will be torture. Who is best qualified to teach young ladies and young wives? Feminists? No. Divorcees? No. Angry talk show hosts? No. Older women, listen to this. I'm convinced that older women who have stayed with their husbands, who have stayed married through the years, and have learned that God is right, those are people to listen to. Amen. So in our church, we have some older ladies who have stuck with it. And they weren't married to perfect men. And yet, they've got something to teach the younger women how to survive, how to do it. You better listen to older Christian women and turn off the radio and TV and YouTube channels. Paul knows how important it is for your home, for, for, for the, the wife especially, to honor your husband. And he, she uses, I'm sorry, Paul uses a word here. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. In verse 33, nevertheless, let everyone in you in particular so love his own, his wife, even as himself and the wife, see that she, what's that word? Reverence. That's a big word. Reverence means have the utmost respect for and esteem of your husband. It means to admire him as the man God gave you. You don't have to always agree. Somebody once explained it this way. I have two eyes, okay? And they both see the same thing differently, amen? This one sees a little bit from this side. This one sees a little bit from that side. They don't see the, see it the same way, but that's good, isn't it? So you don't always have to agree with this guy you're stuck with, but you need to let him lead. You can make your point, but make sure you don't panic when he makes a decision that you wouldn't make. Don't contend with your husband. You can, you can disagree, but there's a great verse, Proverbs 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21 and verse 19. Don't fight your husband. <clears throat> there's a way to Handle your husband. Proverbs 21, 19 says this. It is better. You guys know where I'm going with this verse. It is better. 21, 19. To dwell in the wilderness. Then with a what kind of a wife? That's a fighting and an angry woman. You would not want to live with Katie Taylor. All right? <laughs> you imagine being married to this woman who can knock somebody through the wall? Wow. The point is this. That, uh, when, when, there's a, when, there, when it moves to contention, you're, you're out of the ring. You, you've moved it out where, no, I'm not reverencing my husband. I'm not honoring him. And this is not such an old-fashioned ideal. This is God's word. It, it is, listen, this is the only way to not end up divorced and separated. This is the only way to actually have a marriage that lasts. If, you, if you've lost the view of your husband, ladies, that you say, 
I will, I, I will be careful about pushing, making him angry. He's wrong when he's angry, but I'm, I gotta be careful not to push him. If you've lost that view of your husband, I'm sure you have very good reason why you no longer reverence and respect your husband. But God doesn't see it that way. You need to ask God for it back. Because that will save your marriage more than any other act. To the unmarried ladies, I want to say this. If you're not ready to honor a man like this, then don't get married. Then he talks to the husbands and back there in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, husbands, and he uses three words, love your wives. Now, to love your wife, what does that mean? Well, it's more than physical love. It's even more than emotional love. It means sacrificial love. See, when, when a Christian man is talked to, we have an ethos, we have a mindset that everything that is preached, everything that is taught, everything that is believed is anchored in Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about loving, we realize it's like he loved. It's not like, well, like, well, this is all, this is all I've got to give. Well, that's not the kind of love that your wife needs. She needs and deserves sacrificial love, and that's explained better in Ephesians 5. How far does that go? Well, listen, how far does submission go? It has limits. But I don't believe loving your wife has a limit. Because if Christ had to die out of love for his church, maybe I might have to suffer and sacrifice out of love for my wife. I don't think there's any limit put on how far I have to go if I love my wife. The command is to love my wife, amen? Not the feeling. Amen? Hmm. This kind of love does not come naturally any more than submission comes naturally to the wife. It has to come, gentlemen, it has to come from your own relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to be, as the bride of Christ, gentlemen, you're going to have to be submissive to your head. You're going to have to let him lead where you don't want to go. You're going to have to put in pressure on you that you don't want. Amen. And that relationship will help this relationship. So honor your wife. Love your wife. Treat your wife as well as you treat yourself. No. Treat her better than you treat yourself. No. Treat her like Christ treats you. Wow. Have patience with her. Have grace with her. Have empathy. Have self-sacrifice. Treat her better than she deserves. That's a tall order. Really, love means that you prefer your wife above everything else but God. Does your wife know that she's preferred above everything else in your life? That will save your marriage, gentlemen, more than any other act. If you're not ready to love a woman like that, Gentlemen, then don't get married. Because that's written to Christian men. And when you're saved, God says, I expect more of you. Wouldn't it be great if it was just that easy? So far, it's kind of hard, but... Next week, we're going to learn it with the rest of the story. Those two verses have three things. And the first and the second one are fairly easy, even though you can choke on them. <laughs> but there's fit not to be tied and not bitter, yet to be talked about. So we'll deal with some real hurdles to being what God asks us to be in our home. 
Suffice it to say that it's not in any of us to be what we should be. Go to Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. This I say then, well, look at verse 15. I like this. But if you bite and devour one another in your home... Take heed, be careful that you be not consumed one of another. You know, God will let you self-destruct. If you're biting and devouring each other, take heed that you be not consumed, that you just don't disintegrate. Verse 16, Paul says, This I say then, let me give you the answer. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Isn't that cool? What does that mean? In my flesh, I will fail. In my flesh, I will fail to love. In her flesh, my wife will fail to submit. In our flesh, we will fail in our marriage. We will fail as parents. In our flesh, I don't care how much, how educated you are. I don't care how determined you are. You will fail. Amen? So it's not in me to be what I should be. Without the help of God, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's all a result of, the, of being born again. Without that, I am dead. But with the help of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all just because I got born again, the moment I got born again, I got everything I needed to succeed in life. What am I? Paul says we are more than... Amen. Not until we've experienced the love of God and the forgiveness of ourselves. Go to Ephesians 4.29 and we're done. Ephesians 4.29 says this, and grieve not the Spirit of God. Who would grieve? What, What would cause me, as a Christian, to grieve the Holy Spirit, to discourage the Holy Spirit? What would it be? Not to obey Him, that's good. What else? Huh? Okay. I thought it was in 4.29. I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 29. I was supposed to start in verse 29. Frustrate. Good. 429. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying the other person, that it may minister grace, kindness unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. So, let me be, I'll just try to finish here. To, To grieve the Holy Spirit means I'm doing things my way. Amen? So I should not just be sensitive to whether my wife is upset at me. I should be sensitive whether the Holy Spirit is upset at me. So grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. He's stuck with you until the day of redemption. Verse 31 goes on and he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be divorced from you, be put away from you with all malice, and instead be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, when a person is having a trouble horizontally, and they're just running out of steam, and they don't know how to handle things with people, where do they go? you got to go back vertically and say, Lord, evidently, I forgot how much you've forgiven me. Evidently, 
I'm walking in my own strength and not in the Spirit of God. Evidently, I'm only seeing the problems instead of seeing Jesus. That will enable me to live, not bitter. Father, we thank you for just some thoughts from two short verses tonight. Really, here we are. A group of Christians who we want to believe right. We'd even like to do right. But we don't find it possible. And then you give us the Holy Spirit. We got him at the day we got saved, but we don't lean upon him. We don't listen to him. We don't yield to him. So tonight, Lord, I pray our prayer in this still moment is that we would pray and ask you to teach us to listen, teach us to sense when we're grieving the Holy Spirit and immediately changing and switching back to the simple words, love, submit, respect, honor each other in our homes. Lord, we don't know what the other person is going to do. We don't even know how to do it for extended periods of time. But we're going to just believe your word and ask you for a miracle in our homes. I've asked you to help me. And you already have, and I thank you for that. But I pray that, Lord, you'd really finish the job. And help me take two simple verses and make them my life. I pray that be true with everybody tonight. As we just ask you, God, teach me to listen to you and not to my own heart, not to my flesh, not to my feelings, but to you. For my home's sake, please. In Jesus' name, amen.